Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I would say the big news is probably that Elon Musk apparently is uh, calling it quits on the Twitter deal. Oh, wow. Oh, because he was going to buy it. He was going to buy it. So it it didn't go through that. For $44 billion. That was the price tag. Wow. If you recall, he kind of put the deal on hold a few weeks ago or several weeks ago and was asking Twitter for like real information about the number of bots that they have on their system. Because Twitter was trying to play it off like, oh, no, it's only 5%. 5% of our users are bots. (laughs) But we found these online tools where you can punch in a Twitter profile handle, and it will tell you how many uh, fake profiles are following your profile. And when you put in a big user like a Joe Biden, it registers like 50% fake. Hmm. So the more users you have following you, the more bunk the number is, basically. Now, some of the quote-unquote fake users are people who are no longer on the site. They just haven't logged into to their account for years. So those aren't real. Yeah, I guess they're not really you know, fake. But Yeah, this sounds, this sounds like a pretty standard way to count uh, in the, I don't know, industry as far as, you know, any kind of any kind of site that has users well sure they're going to count people yeah. who are inactive i mean obviously. facebook and google and you know basically they all do the same thing they count every single person and nobody ever gets deleted finally musk's lawyer said twitter had failed or refused to respond to multiple requests for information on fake or spam accounts on the platform which is fundamental to the company's business performance i mean because if you claim and i don't know what their number is Let's just say it's 100 million. I have no idea how many users Twitter has. If you claim it's 100 million users, but it turns out that 50 million of them are fake accounts, yep. then is that worth $44 billion anymore? Or is it worth, you know, 15 billion <laughs> or 10 mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or 20? I mean, and I kind of have to wonder, I mean, what does he end up getting for this? Is there a business model behind Twitter? No, is Twitter's it profitable? a fail. It's not is profitable. It? It's it's being run for political reasons. Mm. They they don't make money at Okay. Twitter. So, so he's not buying it for the for the for the revenue. Then he's in, buying. Well, it. in theory, he's buying it because he thinks it's this great free or could be a free speech, quote unquote, right, platform, right. and he's acting like that. You know, is important to him. But some speculate the reason he really wants this is because it's essentially data, that, a ton of data that are coming from individuals, re- presumably real human beings, and that they could mine that data for yeah. all kinds of useful things for artificial intelligence or whatever, right? Sure. So there's there's probably something else that he wants that that site for. Maybe he's just, got a way to make money off of it. He has a business model they that he don't, wants to use. and he wants to buy it because he knows how to make money off it. Yeah. Chris, you had a story tonight that is focusing on seizing cryptocurrency, specifically the country of Argentina, that government gang down there, which, if I recall correctly, there was another story in the news about Argentina recently, and that is that they have a deal with the World Bank. Do you remember hearing about that? I don't know if I do. Yeah, so basically, the I think it was the IMF or the World Bank. I don't know if they're like the same group or whatever. But they probably do because the World Bank... Is it World Bank or IMF or whatever it is? Um, they have a. I think both of them maybe actually um, have, have. They basically like loan money out to to governments, governments who yeah. are failing. Effectively. So what happened was Argentina, of course, has had a terrible track record in the last two decades with money and central bank uh, 
fiat printing there was tra- crazy right. like inflation there i think two decades ago oh, crazy and, crazy inflation. And, I, I think it, i think it's happened twice if i recall correctly it may be happening now again i'm not sure oh, a third time Ooh. i don't know i don't know what's going on with inflation in argentina right now but it has happened for for sure in the recent history uh they gave people's bank account haircuts back in the early uh Kinda like greece part of this century i think in uh, like in 2000 or somewhere in that range and so it got pretty ugly there. And so people in Argentina, they know not to trust the government when it comes to oh, money. Yeah. So when it comes to cryptocurrency, the South American country, Argentina, from crypto adoption to regulations, has a long list of hot topics, as well as, according to a recent news report by local media, the tax office in Argentina has confiscated more than 1,200 cryptocurrency wallets and uh, or I'm sorry, that were connected to delinquent taxpayers. So this isn't even a situation where they're like accusing people of, I don't know, some sort of real, real crime. This is, this is just people. You're late. Yeah. You're late on your taxes. <laughs> I mean, this is just crazy. The laws and rules governing cryptocurrencies are being implemented all around the world as their user grows. I think they mean user base. Um, mm. Although keeping up with the regulations in many international jurisdictions is difficult since the crypto environment is not constant. It always is in changing mode. This is not written. Sounds by like a, it wasn't written by yeah. an English. <laughs> this is not me guys. A little this bit is, of Spanglish there. <laughs> <laughs> this, it sounds like a translated story maybe or something even digital wallets belonging to taxpayers in Argentina are being seized, which actually kind of makes sense because it's, it's, it's Argentina. I don't know what they speak in Argentina. I think it's Spanish, maybe. Spanish. Yeah. Um, but that would make sense if, if, if that's the case. Digital wallets belonging to taxpayers in Argentina are being seized by the tax agencies more frequently. A total of 1,269 crypto based wallets belonging to individuals who owe money to the Argentina's IFIP, which upholds the county's or country's tax and customs rules. So um, the Argentina's tax authorities initial step to recover debt. Uh, basically, that's that's what it is. What they claim <laughs> they're trying to recover so-called debt. Mm-hmm. The many ways taxpayers might conceal their money to avoid taxation are coming to the notice of tax authorities worldwide. Therefore, the present policy and procedure of uh, I'm just going to say Argentina's tax authority is yep. an initial step in recovering tax goons. Debts. goons. Yeah, tax goons. That's perfect. There's no such thing as authority. That's just a you know yeah. a concept. It has been actively gaining control of the institution's debtors' digital wallet. So supposedly they've got some. Now, okay. whether or not you can believe that, I mean, it's not that hard to believe. They've probably got something, but you know, they're such yeah. you know these these uh, these goons are liars. They're thieves. They are. Um, so, you know, they often try to manipulate, uh, you know, the, I mean, the prosecutors try to manipulate the judges and the courts and the public, you know, the government's try to manipulate the public all the time. Um, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, uh, it's really hard to believe how much they get away with. My guess is that if anything, they've managed to seize some exchange accounts. That's what I would suspect. That seems like a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. that's what I would suspect. That's the easy way to do things. I yep. mean, that's that's how they that's what they're used to doing. Is they just they're used to just sending a letter or waltzing into someone's office with their fancy paperwork, making a phone call, and yeah, and saying uh, hand it over, and then the company just does what they're told. Yeah, and it's it, I think hmm. they've even digitalized this now. The firm also suggests that they will try to confiscate it. The firm. It's such an interesting choice of words. Uh, confiscate about the Argentinian tax goons. I, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, confiscate additional assets owned by the taxpayers if they are unable to pay their debt. 
when the available balance is insufficient or the taxpayers do not have this type of placement, they proceed to request embargoes on other assets. That's them saying, Freezing? if you don't have money in your Stealing? bank account, we're going to take your house. Yeah. We're going to steal your car I, from you. That, I mean, such a weird choice of words. But, I mean, yeah. that's, that's It exactly, sounds translated. It, it, it definitely sounds translated. Um, in fact, the tax goons <laughs> has also determined that there are 9,800 past due taxpayers. So, literally, because you paid your taxes late. Thus, the tax goons will request the Justice Department to impose embargoes on these virtual assets. Hmm. Moreover, with this move, the organization will be able to seize money from more than 30 different crypto wallets. Oh, this is interesting. They're actually listing the crypto wallets. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if I know any of these, but uh, one of them is Eula. One of them is Nar- Narnja or almost like a Ninja. Are, are these the names of the brand uh, of the, uh, the yeah. company that makes the wallet? Yeah, I think these are the names of the wallets. Okay. Um, so Nar- Narnja X. Well, I can tell you if they were to send a notice to Edge Wallet, uh, Edge Wallet would send them a message back saying we can't comply. We I don't have access. how they've responded to such requests hmm. in the past, Edge Wallet. There are some favorable local conditions behind crypto adoption including the increase in the inflation rate, the devaluation of the local currency, and the lack of access to U.S. dollars. So they are having inflation there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Therefore, Argentines chose cryptocurrencies as the most excellent approach to protect their investments. So apparently uh, there are people using it to protect their investments, so to speak. And it sounds like... Maybe a lot of these, depending on how smart these Argentine, you know, uh, people are, um, you know, they they may have actually got them in their own wallets, um, not on exchanges. So it will, would be it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, unfortunately we're never going to really find out probably like what percentage of wallets they were able to successfully seize. But you know, That's it would because be because it'll be probably low, and they won't want to admit how piss poor of a job they did yeah that's mm. that's my suspicion too um by the way i did just pull up the number as far as annual inflation rate in argentina 70 percent is the expected number by the oh, end of wow. the year. god and i thought the united states was bad so they're seeing what looks like five to six percent a month there <gasps> right now wow yeah. wow yeah yeah, I'd be getting my money out of the uh, Argent. I don't know. Is it dollars there, Argentine or pesos? Or Ooh, I don't know what they're using down there. That's a good question. They're using dollars. So I wrote to a very dear friend's son who is in prison, and he wrote a very nice letter back. Mm. And my mom intercepted it and freaked out. <laughs> I wrote to. Well, she's claiming that somebody at the jail now has her address. And the guards could come <laughs> harass us, or like other prisoners are just going to target her oh and my rob God. her now. Yeah, so. Okay, well, number uh, one, every other prisoner does not have her address. The only person uh, in the jail that would have her address would be somebody who could access the letter. And presuming that this person is in a cell, maybe he has a roommate there, and that's about it. So, I mean, the odds that somebody from prison, which is, it, by the way, full of nonviolent yeah. offenders, uh, is going to do something against her. You got ridiculous. You got to explain to her it's 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 not the prisoners that she has to be afraid of. It's the government. <laughs> the government has her address. 
that's the one that she should be afraid of. And honestly, I don't even think it's that, that you know, it's that big of a deal for the jail to have her address. It's more like other departments, like, I don't know, the IRS and, mm. I don't know, Social Security and you know, so however took, many other agencies there are. She seized the letter from you? Uh, yeah, she she wouldn't give it to me until she had given me a very long talking to. So, uh, and I can't. She sounds like a jailer to me. I mean, she sounds like <laughs> that's the kind of behavior I would expect from a warden. Unfortunately, right after the banks, the two major banks in Argentina, the private banks, announced they were going to allow their customers to start purchasing Bitcoin, the Argentinian central bank swung in with an announcement saying, "Oh no, you don't." You will not be allowed to uh, sell cryptocurrency. In fact, no one in the country's financial sector is allowed to provide services relating to digital assets uh, that are unregulated, which, of course, all cryptocurrency, for the most part, is unregulated. No, no one has to ask a government bureaucrat's permission to go start an, a competitor to Bitcoin. As long as you know how to program, all you got to do is copy the code and you can I, launch I your own. Do kind of have to wonder what they mean by regulated or unregulated because isn't aren't isn't like all I mean usually all financial stuff regulated in They're some specifically sense? They're referring to unregulated digital assets. So Monero, Bitcoin, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, these are all unregulated. There's no government agency that's over top of those things. So that's hmm. what they're referring it's, to. It's kind of it's kind of curious, just because like usually I think when you have any kind of transaction, there's usually some sort of regulation, you know, in regard to it, it independent of what it might be. Like even if it's like you're using rocks or you're using laptops or you're using as as the medium of exchange, there's some regulation in regard to. I don't it. know about that. I mean, there's but. certainly a prohibition on fraud. Pretty big story coming out of Arizona for those of us that uh, that appreciate police accountability. I mean, I think everybody in this room uh, is a big fan of holding police accountable by recording video oh, yeah. of interaction, any interactions that you have personally with the police and also complete strangers might be having with the police. And if they need some help, they need somebody to keep an eye on the situation. Uh, before there was uh, way in the in the past, there was an organization called Cop Watch. It was followed by another organization called Cop Block. Uh, there's now the cell 411 app that nobody is working on uh, mm-hmm. that you can go to getcell411.com. I, by the way, put the Matrix chat link on getcell411.com. Recent, or, yeah, so if you want to get into our chat room where you can interact with some of the programmers and the beta testers and things like that, nobody, you're looking for active beta testers on this app right now, correct? Uh, yeah, I definitely am. So there's a link to the Telegram chat and a link to the Matrix chat. I think both of those rooms are mixed together, uh, so you can link over to either of those. I believe they're bridged. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so check out GetCell411.com. Just click on the menu up there, and you'll find the links to those up there. Uh, so we care a lot about this issue of being able to record the police, and that's why it's very disturbing to learn that now apparently in Arizona there is a new law which will charge people with a misdemeanor and put them in jail for up to 30 days if they simply record police within eight feet. I want to do a shout-out to Chief Cripps and, uh, not Captain, but um, Sergeant Cookie of the Portadale Police Department. Um, I went to court the other day for uh, a potential probation revocation, and they played this show at court. So I just want to shout-out to those guys. Yeah, and... um, I am so happy they're doing this because if they're doing this, they can't, you know, 
arrest people for smoking weed. So hold on, what are they trying to revoke your probation over, and why did they think this show was going to help them? Um, so I've mentioned guns on here before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned my disdain for law enforcement before. Um, <laughs> and I've mentioned my, well, I mentioned my disdain for law enforcement with strangers. Are on the you street. not allowed to have disdain for law enforcement while you're on probation in Georgia? Um, so that's, the, they, um, they seem to think that it is growing my terroristic nature. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> wow. Terroristic nature? Um, and I also talk about the use of marijuana. What they're not aware of is that my stepmother, um, who lives five hours away, has a medicinal marijuana cart, and I get contact highs from her edibles. Hmm. Uh, how do you yeah, get a contact that, high from edibles? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Most people who are doing cop watch or cop block or whatever you want to call it, holding police accountable with video, they understand that these are dangerous animals they're dealing with. And you know Mm. if you get too close to a rabid dog, it could lash out at you. Or a rabid swine. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, And so you know the risks that you're involved in. And that said... Here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we've had a long history of holding police accountable and recording video, they're pretty used to the fact that we're going to be around in certain instances. And they tend to behave on a fairly um, respectful and or professional basis when Ooh. people with video cameras are around. So I have been within eight feet of, uh, of a police officer on multiple occasions. Most of the time, they only really get nervous if you're behind them. Cops don't like it when you're behind them yeah. because they can't see you, and they don't know if you're going to you know, pull a knife or something like that. That's what they think, right? Like, they're paranoid about what could, uh, could happen to them. So, uh, yeah, for instance, there was a probation officer was uh, in the, the house the other day for their first visit because after I had my ankle monitor removed, they gave me a different probation officer because the previous one I had only dealt with the people that have the monitors. Oh, interesting. So my new officer came in. She brought her uh, supervisor with her, which I'm sure was done, you know, on purpose so she could have backup. Dan Barr, who's a constitutional attorney, said in an interview, quote, members of the public have a First Amendment right to video police in public places. And what this tries to do is discourage people from doing that, unquote. It does, you know, it does enable them uh, to tell you and sort of not be lying to you either that it's illegal to film. Yeah, um, that's true. It's I mean, it's still you misleading to give you all the details. Right. It's still misleading and manipulative of a cop to do that. And that's what you should expect. Right. From and they'll probably yeah. tell you that anyway. But even if it's not illegal, but. A, pre- a previous bill, by the way, uh, which didn't, I guess didn't pass, would have banned anyone within 15 feet of police from recording. So they actually lowered it to eight. Over a dozen news, photography, and First Amendment advocacy organizations publicly opposed it, filing an official objection in February that it, quote, violates not only the free speech and press clauses of the First Amendment, but also runs counter to the clearly established right to photograph and record police officers performing their official duties in a public you know, place. You know what I think would have been better is, an, is some sort of amendment uh, to what is it? What did they? What would they try to charge you with? Otherwise, to abolish the government. Um, no, no, they would try to oh. try to. Well, that would be even better, maybe. But uh, <laughs> no interference. Because it's, they're going to charge you with some sort of interfering with an investigation. All right, and amending that to clarify how close you can get before they can charge you with that, I think would be uh, you know probably better than the way they went about it. Um, because they already have something that they can charge you with, potentially. 
here during the during the uh, Independence Day celebrations, Traverse City has a cherry festival to you know promote the cherry crop and whatnot. Okay. Well, the Michigan State Police set up a recruitment tent over there at the festival. Somebody stole it in the middle of the night Sunday. The tent. <laughs> they stole the recruitment tent. They stole the state police recruitment tent. Wow. Whoa. I knew you guys would get a hoot out of that one. All right. That's fun. All right. Now, the, the other one, this was a tidbit that was broke by Reuters here about three days ago, I guess. <clears throat> and I want to preface this by saying that during Trump's administration, he topped off the strategic oil reserve at a cost of $37 a barrel. All right, Biden's giving this stuff away from like candy. This mm-hmm. was broke by Reuters three days ago. Some of our oil has gone to China. Mm. Some has gone to India. A good bit to Great Britain. And this was supposed to be bumped out of the reserves to give us a price break. <laughs> and it's surprise. going to the Yeah, not a surprise uh, at all. Right? Yeah. Political games will be played uh, whenever they mm-hmm. can be. And the oil that went to China actually went to a company that Hunter Biden was an investor in. Library came first, though. Library started several years ago as a protocol for sharing media online. And basically what Library does that's so brilliant and was so needed at the time is... Yeah, you could share media prior to library. There was, you know, Napster and there was LimeWire and there was Torrents and, you know, there's so many different options out there for sharing sharing things. But there was never until library a decentralized way to index or to track what is available or to search uh, for what is available. And so that's what library brought to the table. They used blockchain technology to do this. So you can upload a piece of media to library. It could be uh, audio, could be video, could be a PDF, could be something else, a JPEG or whatever. Uh, you could make it like a blog post on library. So all kinds of different media. You upload that media to it, and then it's available in a search through whatever system they're using, this protocol or whatever, to, uh, to search this uh, blockchain. And, uh, and it's completely uncensorable because... It's decentralized as far as the hosting. I, of so I, I believe, as I understand it, library, uh, you you can't delete something from library, but the, the search can be censored because that's still centralized for uh, library. But I think and anyone could search the blockchain. Odyssey. Yeah, I don't if think the blockchain is is public, then anybody could look at that maybe, data and maybe, search it. But I could make your own the front end. Library application that the search is based on can be censored. It turns out it works so well, the government gang has targeted it. The SEC, <laughs> Securities and Exchange Commission, has uh, brought a lawsuit against Library as of, I don't know, was it 2021 when they officially announced it? I think it was like right after I uh, we got raided here at the studio. Because I remember there was an Odyssey we're talking about? Uh, no, Library. Uh, mm-hmm. Library is being targeted by the SEC. Oh, 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 the announcement. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, the, yeah, the, I think you're right. The arrest. Or, they, they didn't arrest anyone. It's a civil uh, suit. I thought there was no. There was a criminal portion to that. No, I've not heard anything about. I thought it was a. There was one 
component against Jeremy Kaufman and one component if against... If that's true, it's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, you might want to look into it again, I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah, Kaufman got arrested for... Really? Leaving his house during oh yeah no, that, no, was no, no, no. That, that was something else shelter in place order but no that was that, years that ago. was else something yeah. else we're not talking about that we're talking about specifically about library here um but um yeah that, that's my recollection and you know I I, I, I do get stuff so, wrong dude. sometimes but um I I'm pretty sure there was a it was a criminal no, if you search for action. his arrest all you get is the disorderly conduct just the disorderly conduct yeah hmm interesting yeah uh, well I don't know if he was arrested but there was a, some sort of criminal action was my understanding. So, okay, you're gonna have to find that one. I don't think uh, you're right. Yeah, but let's I mean, go on. <laughs> maybe I can look at it later. Um, yeah. So um, basically, the uh, National uh, Law Review, which this is, this is interesting, because this isn't a normal news outlet, but yeah, they they do analysis of uh, you know criminal cases and things of that nature here and there, and uh, they did one on libraries. So here's a here's a bit of the story. While the crypto community is rightfully focused on the Ripple case to see how the SEC will fare in court on enforcement's alleging Cryptocurrency offerings are a security. A lesser-known case may provide clarity first. The SEC's suit against Library is scheduled for a tr- for trial in September of 2022. Library is a protocol that allows anyone to build apps that interact with digital content on the Library network. Apps built using this protocol allow creators to upload their work to the Library network of hosts. So it's basically decentralized. Set a price per stream, download, or give it away for free. I'm no expert when it comes to finance or whatever, but just looking up at Investopedia for what is a security, according to what they say here, it is a fungible, negotiable financial instrument that holds some type of monetary value representing an ownership position in a publicly traded corporation via stock, Uh a creditor relationship with a governmental body, Nope. No. Or a corporation represented by owning that entity's bond or rights to ownership as represented by an option. None of these things are ownership in no. any company known as library. No. The library credits do not transfer into and, an ownership percentage. And, you get no voting ability. And, there, and the interesting part about this is, too, uh, there's – I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there, there is a entity library. It's I don't know if it's an LLC. It might be an LLC. I think we said. Yeah, something um, like that. But the point is there's probably – might be a nonprofit. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, um, but the point that, the point that I'm simply making is that there's probably some sort of shares or yeah. you know an owner like an actual owner of the company they're probably that held by produces, Jeremy Kaufman and his co yes that produces the software correct but that doesn't mean because you have a, cre- a library credit that you own the company. No, and it would seem so obvious on its face, right? Like you don't need a whole lawsuit to figure this out, right? You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.